Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. Can you give me the three points from last Sunday, anybody? Just yell them out. Number one. No longer slaves to sin. My wife's school teacher, she's got the notes ready. Other than her, has anybody got number two? All right. How about number three? All right. You know, the Holy Ghost gave me this. I had a little dinky chain, but man, and somebody said this chain was dirty. You know, chains are dirty. If you're bound one by, one, by, by something, it's dirty. And God wants to break it off of us. But you know, I carry the wrist around. And you know, you carry a chain or be chained by something long enough. You know what? My arm's starting to hurt. And I can get you to pray for my arm, but it's not going to help it until I get rid of the chain. People are sick because they're bound by something else. Come on. Or they're tormented because they're bound by something else. This chain's getting heavier and heavier, and me swinging it makes it harder because it's bringing the weight bearing down on my arm. And my arm's getting fatigued. Some of you are exhausted because you're bound by something. Let's get it off. Let's go after some things, okay? So, so, whew. We're going to play. It's dirty. Look at that dirt on there. I was dressed up last Sunday. I said, I'm going blue jeans because that chain's nasty and I'm going to be dragging it around some. Now, take some notes right quick because I also said something else. Identity. For most of you, your identity in Christ is your freedom. When you know who you are in Christ, the chains will start falling off. You hear me? So we're going to find out who we are and, and see, as I said, we're in a progression. Last Sunday, you know, we, everybody knows Jesus died for our sins, but we don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. That's right. And he wants to break it off. And so we're going to talk a little more this Sunday about what Jesus has done. And so you need to take this as an identity check. You with me? So identity, eternal identity and internal identity. Our eternal identity needs to be on the inside of us. Internal. You remember the story of Jesus calming the storm? Anybody with me? What was Jesus doing in the boat? Was he rowing or was he singing hallelujah? What was he doing? Sleeping in the storm. Internal Eternal, internal peace. They woke him up. Help us. Do you not care? How many people have heard somebody pray that prayer? Lord, do you not care what I'm going through? It's prayer. They prayed to Jesus. Jesus got up, answered their prayer. But it was the internal peace that calmed the external storm. What you have on the inside will break the chains on the outside. If you have nothing on the inside, you're going to stay bound. We have got to change what's on the inside of us 
to be free on the outside. Matter of fact, it will change the road we're on, the life we're going, the how we exist because of internally we know who we are and what we have in Christ. Y'all stay with me now. So, matter of fact, put my picture up there. Sometimes the chains that prevent us from being free are more mental than physical. Now, that horse is tied to a plastic chair that any one of us can pick it up with one hand and throw it. But he thinks he's tied up. So not knowing who we are in Christ will bind us up and bind us up. And so, so he's tied to a plastic chair. I had a friend that had a horse and when we was in school, and, and they kept their horse in a rope. That, that horse saw the rope, and he thought, I'm, I'm trapped. You know, they keep elephants in a pen, and it's, and, and, and it's uh, just like a potato sack fence. And it looks like a solid wall, and they won't go up against it. Sometimes the chains prevent us from being free are mental more than physical. How about spiritual? So, it's what you believe that can keep you bound. So, so what we need to do is learn how to meditate, study, dwell on how the kingdom of God works. How does the kingdom of God work? Now, in our ignorance, we don't know how to pray. We just cry, Lord, help me. And he will, like you help a toddler for a while. But he expects you to feed yourself and to meditate and to change and to develop and to grow. Are you with me? The kingdom mind becomes aware that at times God wants to do things through you instead of for you. That's new thinking. God help me, God help me, God help me. The Lord said, I'm, I'll empower you to help yourself. I will give you wisdom. I will help you develop. I will show you what to study. How about, how about, how about Peter and John? They're on the way. They're going in the temple. This dude's been there for years and years. Jesus passed this guy. And he's going, alms, 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 alms. And, 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 and Peter and John, stop. And Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I have on the inside of me, what's eternal, what's internal, will change you. Not only will it change me, it'll change you too. That's called growth, isn't it? And he took his hand and he said, rise and walk. So, Jesus' peace brought peace to the storm. Internal realities become external reality. Do you believe that? The kingdom of God within you. Let, let's do it in the negative. You ever met somebody's grouchy? They just walk in the room. And it gets on you if you're not careful. You know, I worked with a guy. He was, good morning. He'd growl at him. And all the guys said, man, you need to get him saved. And I'm going, what about you? (laughs) 
But they wanted me to go after him because he was Mr. Grouchy. That's what one old boy called him to his face. Hey, Mr. Grouchy, when are you going to wake up? Internal. He had an internal reality that wasn't godly. You know, complainers, it'll get on you and you'll start complaining too. Don't be that way. The kingdom of God is within you. When heart issues are dealt with, the world around you has to change too. It changes from your internal victory. You know, if you have a meltdown, your kids will have a meltdown. If they see you melt down all the time, they'll learn when pressure comes, they're supposed to melt down. But if they see you stand on the word and use the name of Jesus and confess the word, then they'll go, that's what I'm supposed to do. The world around you will start taking shape with the world that's on the inside of you. I'm, cha- I'm, I'm just laying out some things here because we need to change what we believe and it will change who we are. All right? Number one, we're overcoming. How can we overcome? We overcome by the Word of God and our testimony. Overcoming rejection. How many know rejection become a chain? I'm not even going to go down there because they won't give me that job because ain't nobody ever picked me for a job anyway. Huh? I'm not even going to apply for that job. I mean, you know, everybody else is getting money back. I never get any money back because they've been rejected. They're walking in experience and not by the word. Your life experience is not how it's supposed to be unless it lines up with the Word of God. So let's look at Isaiah 53, and we'll start at verse 1. Isaiah 53, Isaiah prophesied what Jesus would do and what he did at Calvary. Okay, there's kingdom principles that we need to apply to our lives. Y'all with me? Amen or sold me or something. So look what it says. Who believes what we've heard? And seen. Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? We're just talking about Jesus. Okay? Who would have thought that God's saving power would look like somebody who came from the country of Galilee? Huh? Or Southwest Virginia? That revival would start in flyover country of Southwest Virginia. Don't let those words penetrate you. And so let's look at verse 2. Can you put verse 2 up for me? I got it. So who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought that God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling. The servant grew up before. Some about Jesus, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. Anybody ever been looked down on, passed over other than me? So was Jesus. I'm trying to help you now. Stay with me. There was nothing attractive about him. No one to cause a second look. 
He was looked down on Passover, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and the people turned away. They looked down on him and thought he was scum. Ha, ha, ha. Jesus was rejected so you could be accepted. Come on, reality, reality check. Jesus was rejected so you could be accepted. You go to the New Testament and read Ephesians and Colossians, you were chosen. Peter said you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Well, I don't feel like it, Pastor. doesn't matter what you feel like. It's what the Word says you are. So everybody say, I'm a chosen generation, a holy priesthood. Come on. And so that's how you change your thinking. You need to walk in the room with your head up, not ducking down trying to be overlooked. Just walk in with a smile. You know whose you are and who you belong to. So let's read Colossians 1.4. Colossians 1.4. And it says we've been chosen. I like it. 6 too. Since you we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the love uh, and your love for all saints. Read verse 6. See, that, that's the prerequisite. I've heard of your love. Y'all love God? Do you talk about it? Come on. Do you talk about it? I love God. Which has to come, see, which has come to you as it has also in the world, bringing forth fruit, let's see. Well, I, I got the wrong, I put the wrong scripture down, I guess. My bad. Chosen and accepted. So Jesus was rejected so we could be chosen. Let me just do this. You know what? It's Ephesians 1. Make scratch that out in your note there, school teacher. Ephesians 1, verse 4, according to he has chosen us before him before the foundation of the world. That God had a plan to bring man into the earth and he chose us. You're not here just on circumstance. God put you here for such a time as this. For now, this season, 2000. And what? 19. You were here. You were chosen to be here. Well, you know, I was really in my heyday was 1987. Well, no, 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 no. You're still having an effect on people in the earth. Doesn't matter your age. Matter of fact, your grandchildren can lead you. You just got to be open to it. My daughter said, we're going to get, we were looking for a house. She goes, we're going to get a blue house. I'm like, sit down and be quiet. We're not getting a blue house. We got a blue house. <laughs> you got to listen. And then in verse 6, it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. God has accepted you. It doesn't matter if your mama, I had a friend of mine, his mama boiled him as a, as a at nine month old, put him in a pot put water on him and started boiling him before somebody caught it. it. It affected him. Well, duh, yeah. But he's accepted in God. You're accepted. We got to change our thinking that we're accepted, that we're chosen. And once that, you know, that reality starts changing our circumstances and our life, everybody has something horrible that's happened to them. We don't live in that. We live in the reality of what Jesus has done. Number two is we need to overcome shame. Rejection and shame. 
You're ashamed of how you used to live, ashamed of what you've done. Shame, shame. But Christ has redeemed us from even shame. Hmm. Uh, my aunt was like my sister. She was the youngest baby in the family, and I grew up. She was two years ahead of me. When she was in the 11th grade, I was in the 9th grade. And, and so when she had kids, she had four kids, I started telling stories. She goes, shut up. Shh. I said, well, they need to know how, how to overcome. No, they don't need to learn it from me. Because she was ashamed of stuff that we, that we did as kids. And so, you know what? You need to put your shame to rest and get it out of your life. Because Christ has redeemed us. So Isaiah 53.5 said, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace. That's the key. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Tim, you just ugly, and, and, and your beard's scruffy, and your wife don't like you. I'm, I'm chastising him. You know what? You, you, you've done wrong in your life. And Jesus was chastised. Do you know that they grabbed him by the beard? They put a cloak over his head. They punched him. Prophesy, who hit you? They pulled his beard out. They, they made fun of him. I can pick on Tim. He knows who he is. Now, if I did that to some of y'all, you'd just melt on the floor. Like, hey, nobody loves me. Huh? Can you take it? Amen. You ought to be able to take anything the devil comes to you because you got the Word of God in your heart. Amen. And let me tell you, he's coming. That's right. He's coming. Amen. But there is no, we sang it, there's no power in hell that can withstand the life of God on the inside of us. That's why we have to build up the life of God on the inside of us that we can take that. We put the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Our peace. He paid for our peace. Amen. Now say it with me. I have peace. I have peace. I have peace. I have peace. No, matter what, no matter what, I've got peace. I've got peace. Life, life, death, death poverty, poverty, riches. riches. I've, got peace. I've got peace. And so you got to claim it. you got to change it. It's the peace of God that calmed the storm. I got peace. So, so, so Hebrews 10.22, it says this, that we come with full assurance. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water with the word. But look, look, you're messing up. Well, you know, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't deserve that. Uh, you know, I, I, and you're trying to give them something. And, and they don't have assurance. They don't have peace. Uh, they're, they're, they don't know who they are. I'm, I'm talking Christians. The world said, give me that and give me another one. But see, we've been taught false humility. That we're not supposed to have anything. We're supposed to be poor. And when somebody tries to give us something, you know what? You better be praying. Because the Bible says that the blessing will overtake us. Well, when's it going to overtake us? How's it going to overtake you? Huh? We, we put God in our own little box. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. I've got to quit. Can we settle this once and for all? Our shame's taken care of? That your sin has been washed away? That you've been made white as snow by the blood of Jesus? Philippians 4, 7 talks about the peace of God that passes understanding. 
His chastisement, he paid for us. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Guess what? Because the enemy's coming after your heart and your mind. And he's going to your mind to get to your heart. Huh? Somebody said, well, if I was right with God, how come I think these wrong thoughts? Well, that's the enemy. You know, Brother Hagin was praying for people, and the man said, Brother Hagin, I want you to pray for me. I don't have any more wrong thoughts. He said, well, if I could pray that for you, I'd pray it for me first. Because you're going to have wrong thoughts because there's an enemy in the earth. And he comes to speak negatively to you and to tear you down. So we want the peace of God that passes understanding. One more. One more. Isaiah 9, 6. His name is the Prince of Peace. Come on. He's the Prince of Peace. And he's paid for you to have peace. But you don't know, Pastor. Yeah, you know, Jesus went to a cross, was beaten, was nailed to it so you could have peace. Say, he's my Prince of Peace. Number three, overcoming sickness. How many of you know sickness can be a chain? Physical, mental sickness. Jesus bore it. Isaiah again, 53.3. This is Young's literal translation. He was despised and left of men. Uh, a man of pains, acquainted with sickness. And as one hiding his face from us, he, dis he is despised and we have seen him not. Now that's the exact same scripture that I read up above. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities and the chastisement of our peace. And with his stripes, we were healed. So, but Young's little translation said he was a man of pains, acquainted with sickness. As one hiding his face from us, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our sickness. Here it is. Our pains and carried them. And we extremed him smitten and afflicted of God. God put sickness on him so you could be well. That's right. So we got to make our mind up. <clears throat> Jesus was never sick. But how many of you know that the Bible says that he was tempted in every manner that we were tempted in? That means he was tempted with sickness. That means sickness came on him and he told it to leave. What are you telling me? Oh, come on. It's my bursitis right here. Look at, look at it. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's my bursitis. It's, it's right here, but well, let me do it this way. It's right here. And it's in my, look at that. Look at that bursitis right there. It's my bursitis. You better quit that. Amen. You better quit that. Jesus bore your sickness that it's not yours. He took it away. But guess what? It's still in the earth floating around. There's germs floating around here to give you strep throat. Matter of fact, it's already in your mouth. But I don't have strep throat because I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed me. He who's nailed upon the tree. When he went to the cross, he bore our sickness. But guess what? Sickness can be so powerful that you succumb to it. Many have because they don't know. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You ever heard that? So I'm driving down. I'm doing 55. I'm on a four lane. Then none. I'm out in the country, and this, this cop pulls me over. Hey, man, I know him. 
Because I used to work with radios, and we, we decked out his motorcycle and all that stuff, put all those gadgets on it. And I said, hey, man, what's going on? He goes, you know, you know why I pulled you? I said, no, I'm doing 55. He goes, yeah, but it's 45. I said, what? Out here, it's a four lane, and he says, it's 45. I said, well, I didn't know that. Didn't matter, because this boy ride his mama a ticket. <laughs> Matter of fact, when we dressed his motorcycle out, he just sat at our shop, and he pulled over. I, I don't know, every two minutes, he was pulling somebody over. He was putting on a show. It was all legitimate. He didn't make nothing up, but it didn't matter. I was doing 55 and a 45. Listen, sickness is in the earth, and you better know how to deal with it. Christ has redeemed it, redeemed you. He's redeemed you from sickness and disease, and we got to build ourselves up where the healing power of God is greater than the sickness that attacks our body. And it doesn't matter if I die tomorrow or something, the Word of God's still the truth. That's where we got to go. The Word of God is true. What Jesus did is still truth. Just because there's sin in the earth, does that mean Jesus didn't die for sins? There's soap in the earth too, and people are still dirty. People have body odor, and they need to use sure, but they don't. We talking about your wife? She'll slap you in church. Hear me. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, sickness and disease. We have got to face it. We've got to start. Listen, if you don't put the Word of God in your heart when you don't need it, you're going to be in trouble when you do. So you put the Word of God in your heart when when you're living just life and things are going good, you speak the Word. I used to drive to work every day. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. My children are blessed because I went to the city and I went to the field. And I, wherever I go, I'm blessed. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. Amen. Whatever I put my hand to is blessed. Yeah. Amen. If I'm digging a ditch, if I'm selling widgets, it's blessed. Amen. You have got to change your confession with what put the Word of God in your mouth and change how you're living. And you're looking for a blessing and not for the curse. Yeah. Too many people are looking for the curse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. I had a man tell me that I just, I'm waiting on the day that a doctor tells me that I got it. Man, are you kidding? You're using your faith in the wrong direction. You're calling sickness to you. How many of you ever, how many of you, who has a dog? Anybody got a dog? Now, I would say cat, but cats don't come when you call them. But a dog will come when you call them, don't they? And, and, and I, I'm not the first one to use this example like this, but how many of you, when you walk in the backyard and you don't see the dog, do you call it? Yeah. But if you do see the dog, you don't call it, do you? Because he's already there. But here's how you do is you call health to you every day. You walk out with the Word of God in your hand and you call health to you every day. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus bore my sickness and infirmities. Isaiah 53, we just read it. Is that not, okay, okay. How many of y'all believe Jesus died for our sins? I'm going to stay here just for a minute, yeah? So Jesus, there's a story. It's in Mark 2, 5 through 11. We're not going to read it. I'm going to tell it to you. These four guys had a buddy, and he had the palsy. 
And they picked him, put him on a, a bed, and they're taking him to Jesus. Now, Jesus is in a house, and there was a crowd of people. So you just think about if we put everybody in this one room, all of us got a one row right here, it'd be pretty doggone crowded. They couldn't get to Jesus. So they climbed up on the roof. They tore the roof open and dropped, they dropped this man with palsy down with ropes in front, in front of Jesus. And Jesus said, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Everybody, Jesus, could, he died for our sins? Yeah. You know what the room did? <gasps> Who does he think he is? He's not God to forgive sins. He's blaspheming. And the Bible says Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said, okay, what's easier? Put my, verse, put my one verse up there for me. Verse 9, which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins be forgiven, or to say, take up your bed and walk. What's easier? And they didn't answer him. But for Jesus, they're one in the same. One in the same. I'm trying to build your faith a little bit. One in the same. If he can forgive sins, then he can heal us. You know why it's easier for us to believe that he can forgive sins? Because we generally can't see sins. You can't see the sin in my heart. I can't see the sin in your heart. So it's easier for me to believe. But if I see somebody in a desperate situation, my mind takes over. Right. Not my spirit. That's why you have to get in the spirit. Amen. And you need to start by every day, every day. Today I'm getting stronger. I'm stronger in the Lord today than I was yesterday. I'm mightier in God today than I was yesterday. And we'll talk... And before this is over with, we'll get to, to faith and, and, and fighting. But look, arise and take up your bed. It's easier. Jesus can do either one. I'm not getting too many amens on that. You need to think about it. Which is easier? It's just one and the same with him. Number four. Here's an ugly one. Overcoming comparison. Huh. As a pastor, from time to time, I have to address people. Like, dude, you can't be cheating on your wife. Or wife, you can't be cheating on your husband. Or, and, and but people say, well, I'm not as bad as Tim. I got a big on Tim. But comparison. Sin is sin. Whether you steal a ink pen or steal $100,000. We rank it different. We want to compare sin. Well, that's not as bad as that. God comes, it's all even with God. Now, the consequences of stealing a pen and $100,000 in the earth is, in America especially, a little bit different. You're going to prison. They're not going to send you to prison for an ink pen, but they will send you for $100,000. But with God, sin is sin. Are you with me? Amen. No comparison. Quit comparing. Who do we compare ourselves to is to Jesus. I, it doesn't matter. We got to compare ourselves to Jesus. How I many you know comparison's a trap? Our society is competitive. Comparison is selfish. Well, I'm better than you and you and you and you. Well, I may not be better than him, but I'm better than her and her and her and her. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself, especially when I look at Patrick. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, 
Or the opposite is, I'm not going there because I can't meet their standards. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. And when you start comparing yourselves, like, oh, man, I, will, I, I, can't, I can't pray. I don't know the Bible like Tim. I can't. Let, let me ask you something. You know, we, we build up this stuff in our mind that we can't understand the Word and we can't know the Word. You know that's the biggest lie the devil sells? So, has anybody ever, I'm, uh, let's see, has anybody ever heard the song, All My Exes? How does it go? How do you know that? Because you heard it, and you heard it, and you heard it, and you heard it. That's why I hang my hat in Tennessee. You heard it and you heard it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. What are you hearing? If you change your hearing, your faith grows. Amen. If you start hearing what God said, if you start listening to preachers, different preachers that, that affect you, they, some of them I don't, I, 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 I kind of go, go through and I, I, I had, I, let me listen to him. No, nope, I'm not listening to him. Uh, so I pause that, then I type in somebody else, and I'm, I'm listening to it. Nope, I don't know. And it's not that they're not great guys. They're just not, they're not reaching me. That's why God has variety. He loves variety. He has different preachers. And I'm not going to tell you who I don't like or who I do like, but you need to find who you like, and you make sure they're preaching the Word. But you need to feed yourself. And you know what? You need to read the Bible. You need to listen to the Bible. You need, that's why I give you notes, and I don't go through all of them, but you need to go and study this because now you got a basis of what to believe. Comparison, Hebrews 12, 2. We're to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Tim is not the author and finisher of my faith. Patrick is not the author and finisher of my faith. Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith. So I'm looking to Jesus. That's who I need to compare myself with is Jesus. Now I'm overwhelmed. What do you mean, Pastor? So, so Hebrews, Hebrews talks about comparing ourselves to Jesus. He's the only one. Because I can't keep up with Tim, and I'm way ahead of Jeff. Has nothing to do with it. It's my walk. It's your walk with God. And I can't beat you over the head because you're not this or this. If, I, if, if I, as, as believers were to correct each other if we see each other in a sin... Man, I, you, know, you need to live the Word. You need to do what the Word says. And so, so we need to do that. Ephesians 4 and 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Look, bitterness, wrath. That's, that's the way the world thinks. <laughs> you know, people blow at you, get behind the wheel. They're blowing their horn at you. They're doing the California wave. It's backwards. That's the world. That's not us. Amen. Look at verse 32. But be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God forgave you. If God has forgiven you, then you need to forgive, and you need to quit comparing yourselves with this, that, because we look down on people when we start comparing. Or we look down on ourselves that we're not good enough. It's God who's the author and finisher of our faith. No comparison. Number five. Overcoming unforgiveness. Now, if God has forgiven you, you need to forgive. Basic, that's it. 
In 18, Matthew 18, 21 through 35, Jesus told Peter to forgive seven times seven. Seventy times seven. What? Let's just read it. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. What that means is just forgiving. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. But remember last, remember, remember last Sunday? Is that arm any better? Oh, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me, Tim. We get, we get hooked on forgiveness. We get hooked on conf- confession. Lord, I messed up. I messed up. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, forgive me for hitting him. And Tim, forgive me for hitting you. Oh, Lord, forgive Because we feel better when we confess our sin. Forgive me, Tim. I feel good. And then we do it again. When we have the chains broken off of us, we're not in that anymore. We turn. Repentance is not just confession. Repentance is quit doing it. Walk away from it. Separate yourself from it. Be free from it. So, so, so here's the thing. What we don't do is if, if I can't forgive him, if he's wearing me, I got to get away from him. You know, there's some family members I don't hang around. I love them. But they want to pull me down. Don't be looking around for family members. But you've got to know who you are. You've got to have your identity in Christ that they can't pull you down, but you don't want to stay there with them all the time. Because that chain's dirty. If I wrap it around my neck, it's going to make my neck dirty. And some people will make you dirty. And you have to repent. I've been in places that, man, just feels dirty in here. Because there's stuff wrong about it. you got a spiritual sense about you. So let's keep reading. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like to a certain king. This is what heaven is like. Okay? A certain king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded he be sold and his wife and children and all that he had to pay, whoo, that the payment be made. Verse 26, and the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion. God is moved with compassion towards us to forgive us of sin and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. And so he released him and forgave him of his debt. He asked for, when you ask God for forgiveness, God forgives you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now that we all agree, let's keep reading. Verse 28, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. I'll never forgive you for what you said about me. Huh? And the servant went out and he found somebody owed him and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe me. And the fellow servant fell down on his feet and begged and said, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. 
and you think he had just gotten forgiven, that he would forgive, but look what he did in the next verse. And he would not, and went out and threw him in prison till he should pay the debt. Oh boy, unforgiveness. And when his fellow servants saw it, what had been done, they were grieved, and they came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he would pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Man, that's powerful. So we got to suck it up and start forgiving some people. And we're going to deal with some things that are crazy, but you know what? No matter what people have done to you, you've got to let that go. Somebody said unforgiveness is a poison you drink hoping it kills somebody else. Let me have another sip of that. I hope they die. Uh-uh. Unforgiveness will hinder you. You know what? Maybe that's some of the, the problems why you got to change. Why you're bound in life is because you're walking in unforgiveness and the tortures have got you chained up. Huh? It's time to let some stuff go. You can't change them anyway, and it's not your place to change them, and your hatred will not change them. Your unforgiveness will not change anybody. Release them. When you release them, you go free. You think you got them on a leash, and you pull them up and beat them every now and then, but you're the one on the leash. There was a man in India, and he worshiped demons. And he would send those demons on people and make them sick. Then he would send this little boy and say, go tell him, I, I can heal you if you come back to me. And he thought he controlled those demons. And people would get a stomachache, and they would come back to him. And he would pray, do his incantations, and the demons would come off of that man, and he would be healed, and the man would pay him money. So he made his living. One day he sent the demons on a missionary. And so the demons he thought he controlled, and see, we think we can control people with our unforgiveness and our hatred and our bitter and our envy and our strife. But when he sent those demons on that missionary, they came back and jumped on him. And he was really possessed by them. But that's the way the devil does. He thinks you're in, he leads you to believe you're in control, but he's controlling you. And unforgiveness opens the door to the enemy to control you. Break those chains. Just bow your heads right now. Let's just, before we finish. Father, any unforgiveness in our heart, we break it right now in the name of Jesus. We break that stronghold in the name of Jesus. We release those people. We let them go in Jesus' name. Father, we pray right now that you bless them. Put peace on them. Joy on them. And Father, Bring the same to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, that's a short, sweet little prayer. Unforgiveness is harder to go after. You got to go after it every day till you're free from it. Because it's, see, this chain's got hooks on the end.
where you can hook it. How many of you know that certain sin has hooks in it? Unforgiveness is one of those that a hook. And it don't want to shake loose. The Bible even talks about sexual sin having a hook. You know, sin is sin is sin, but some sins have different contexts or different things to them. Alcohol has a hook. Cigarettes have a hook. I'm not saying you're going to hell smoking or drinking, but it has a hook. You can become alcoholic. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. So remember, break the chain of unforgiveness. Amen? If you're working on it, say, oh, me then. Come on. Because you've got to get in agreement with this. You've got to let these things go. You've got to be chained. Number six, that in all of this, God wants us to grow up and help somebody else overcome. And, and here's, here's, here's a secret. What you can overcome, God will empower you to help other people to overcome. If you've gotten the victory over the divorce where your husband did this or that or your wife did this or that, you'll become a beacon and a light for people who are going through the same thing. If you overcome drugs, you will be a beacon and a light for people to overcome drugs. If you have overcome unforgiveness, then you'll become a beacon and a light. You'll become the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You know, Oral Roberts uh, laid hands on over a million people for healing. Do you know that God healed him? He was dying of tuberculosis, and God healed him, and he took that healing and transposed it into a ministry of healing. Amen. You know, people, all Brother Coben talks about is prosperity. Well, he bankrupt, 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 living in a, a hole on the side of the river in an old hut, and God took him from poverty to blessing, and that's why he talks about it. He talks about everything else, a lot of other things, but he talks about the blessing of God because God took him out of that and set him free. And you can learn something from people like those that have been set free. And he'll set, it'll set because they're doing it by the word. And so here's where the last point is, helping others overcome. I want y'all to look at this as in the message. And let's read Romans 15, 1 and 2 first. And it says, those of us who are strong, and able in faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. Look at that. Look at that right there. Those of us who are strong and able in faith to step in and lend a hand to those who, who falter. If you're not strong, then you need to get strong because somebody's going to need you. Look, I, I've, got the, I've got the upper hand. I'm standing up, Tim sitting down, but I got him by the hand and I'm strong enough to pull him up. Because I have the upper hand. When you live by faith, you're going to have the upper hand. And you can pray for people and pull them up and you can strengthen people. And so look, and not just to do what is most convenient for us. You know why I prayed over Gary Slim? That rascal, everywhere he goes, he's picking up people out of the ditch. I mean, all kinds of crazy stories. Do you know how many people pass people in ditches? He stops and helps them. And he works for Hope Ministries. And, and some, you know, the Lord will move on him and he'll drive 60 miles on his own time, own money, and pick somebody up and take them out of a place where they're being beaten, a woman with a baby, and take them to, a, and take them to home or to another shelter. 
on his own time. Generosity. Not that he's a millionaire, but he has the strength to do it. And I'll say, Gary, let me pay for your gas. I mean, let me do something for you. He'll take a side job to help somebody. What? He'll work a side job to help somebody pay their rent or buy them food. Now they run out of money. Guess who's the go-to? We are, Legacy Church. He calls me, he said, Pastor Brett, this, this, this is really a serious thing. Because he vets them. This is real. This lady and her baby, they need to get out of town. And can you, can you, I'm out of money. Do you got bus money? We got bus money, Gary. We're, going, we're a generous church. You can't outgive God. Your generosity cannot outdo God. And so we're his go-to. Pastor, he said, this is real. This is, this is. And, and, and he gets wore out. Side note, he was burnt out last week. He said, I got to get out of here. I said, well, let's go riding. So me and him just go riding around, you know. And I said, I'm going to put my deer cameras out. It's hot, but we're just going to go walking. So I go Wednesday to get him. And I'm driving down this dirt road, and there's a rattlesnake crossing the road about this long, about as big around as my arm, and rattler sticking up. And I run over that rascal, and I back up over it. And, and it, still, it still goes, and it keeps going. So I text him and said, man, I run over a big rattlesnake. And so he texted me back that night. He said, I've been thinking about that all day. He goes, I think we need to start a new program in the church with that rattlesnake. We could catch it. He goes, it would build people's faith and it would change the way our church operates. <laughs> so I texted him back and said, well, you know what? You talk to my wife about that program and if she'll take it up, you may have something. <laughs> oh. Listen, our generosity, if we have the strength to help somebody, we are, the Bible says to know to do good and not to do it is sin. Or be warmed and filled instead of, hold on just a minute. Let me get it out here. Let's finish this if we can. Strength is for service, not for status. Wow. It's not about what I can do because of me. It's because God has empowered us to serve. Thank you for serving. Everybody, we got a hundred and something people that serve in this church, and we need you. Thank you for serving and giving your time. But strength is for service, not for status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? Isn't that a good translation? How can I help? You know, I've got a little note up here. Are you a sender? That means you give money to send people? Are you a laborer? How can you help? I don't have any money, but I got some time. I don't have any time, but I got some money. Are you a sender or are you a laborer? Because I know God calls people to make money to further the gospel. Just saying. You need to change your thinking. Am I a sender or am I a laborer? I want to be both. Hey, hey. Let's finish this here. And verses 3 through 6. That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's trouble, but waited right in and helped out. Woo! Jesus waited right in to help out. I took on the troubles of the troubled. In the way the scripture puts it, 
even if it was written in Scripture long ago, you can be sure it was written for us. God wants the combination of His steady, constant calling and warm, it keeps going, and warm personal counsel in Scripture to come to characterize us. Did y'all hear that? God's counsels should characterize us. His Word should care. And those people live by the Word. Live by the Word. If you don't live by the Word, you need to start living by the Word. Let it be your character. Keeping us alert for whatever He will do next. May our dependable, steady, and warmly personal God develop maturity. Maturity in you so that you can get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with all of us. Then we'll be a choir. (laughs) Not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony. In harmony as a church. We need to go living in harmony. In harmony in a stunning anthem to God and the Father of our Master Jesus. Everybody do this for me. Hold it right there. No, let, let that keep playing. Give me one note. We're going to be a choir just for a second. Ah, uh, can everybody do Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Now, what does that mean? We're all doing the same thing, saying the same thing. If we all start saying the same thing, if we all start saying what God said, if we all start saying what Jesus said, if we all start saying, then you will become mighty. And then the scripture that the Lord gave gave me about our church is that we'll be like the tree planted by the rivers of living water that bring forth fruit in its season, and its leaf shall not wither because we stand on the word of God. And then the Lord added to that about two weeks ago or three weeks ago. It said, that tree that I said you'll be, there'll be people come climb up in the branches of it. And there'll be people come and sit under the shade of it. And there'll be people come to eat the fruit of it. Because you'll be mighty on the earth. Fruits of what? Righteousness, forgiveness, healing, peace. All those things, they belong to us. But how do we get to that place? We all start going, ah. We all start saying the same thing. We all start believing the same thing. Then we become stronger and powerful. Then we start giving more. Not that we have more in the bank account so we can give more away. There's some missionaries that are starting schools in Africa. I got my eye on them. I want to be a part of that. Changing lives. Man, they're cool people. The second language in Africa is French. Their first thing they did, this was 20 years ago, they went to France to learn French. Then they went to Burundi. It's the heart of Africa. Swahili is the first language. They said, you can't open a church. We don't like y'all. So they learned Swahili the second year while living in Africa. Then the second year, they got a church. They speak Swahili. They speak French, so they, they're, they're preaching in Swahili. They got an interpreter in French so everybody can understand. Now they know three languages. Now they're starting churches everywhere. In the last 20 years, they've been starting schools. Hallelujah. What's funny is they came and she prophesied in Swahili and he interpreted in English. 
You know, there are things going on that are bigger than us. But God will expand our reach to do bigger things. Amen? Greater things. When we get down in me, what, 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 what are y'all doing for me? It ain't about me or you, us. It's about the kingdom. It's about our generosity. This generosity breaks off poverty. Amen? Father, I thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord God, for touched heart. Thank you for changing, breaking chains. Bow your heads. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, will you accept him as Lord? Just lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I see that hand. Anybody else? Just lift your hand. Do you say, well, I've lived for God, Pastor, and I've kind of backslidden. If that's you, just lift your hand. Say, I want to come back. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. Your mind will mess with you. Pull you back to its old ways. We want to live for the Lord. We want to pursue Him. Anybody else? Then let's all pray together. Pray this with me. Say, Father, today I come to recommit my life to you. Thank you for saving me, for forgiving me of all my sins. I confess with my heart that I believe in Jesus and I'm saved and I'm forgiven. Break the chains off my life. Set me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.